they're great for lots of things. Yeah. And, on the, and on the male side, there's a lot, a lot more sensitivity and stuff. Oh, okay. And so it's good for them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Give us something. Yeah, I like okay. it. And great for anal. Okay, moving on. Next question. <laughs> this is Sexy Funny Raw, where we chat all about the world of sex, from dating and relationships all the way to the adult industry itself. I'm Sylvia Sage, and this is my Pornspective, answering all the questions you weren't even brave enough to ask Google. Get ready, because Sexy Funny Raw starts now. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Sexy Funny Raw. I am your host, Sylvia Sage, joined in studio, new studio with me, of course, is Dr. Eddie, my co-host. And obviously, you guys can tell we're doing things a little bit differently. So when it's just Dr. Eddie and I in studio, I want to get really technical because we have you here, right? And so I feel like if we're not using you for the exact thing that you're bringing to the table, what is the point, right? So I want to make sure. Use me, Sylvia. Yes. Want to use you. But I feel like that because sometimes on some of our other episodes, we were talking a lot about porn stuff. And a lot of times you couldn't really get in there with the public health perspective and couldn't really bring us knowledge. It was fun, though. I learned so much. Well, of course, (laughs) but I want to make sure that when you are here, we are utilizing you for exactly what you are. I I think more people should do that with me. Thank you. Use me to the fullest extent of my ability. (laughs) That's what we're going to (laughs) do. And we have so many good questions from our audience that we didn't get to last time. Definitely. So we're going to dive back into those today. Let's get started. First and foremost, first question. Should adult men consider circumcision? So this is a complicated question, yeah. uh, only because if it's having a neg- negative impact on your sex life and your mental health, mm. then that's something to have a conversation about with your physician, right? Yeah. So with your doctor. If it's not doing that and you're doing it solely for the possibility of like infection reduction. Yeah, I was going to say a right. lot of people I think feel cleanliness is the issue. Sure. And so there are instances where um, having uh, being circumcised will reduce mm-hmm. uh, infection possibilities. What I'll say with that is if you practice good hygiene and all of those kind of things, mm-hmm. it's not so much an issue. And the reduction isn't significant enough in most cases that the healing surgery and requirement of an adult male being circumcised is quite different from a kid. I guess maybe I'm a little ignorant to this. So what is the what is the infection that they think they're avoiding by having the circumcision? What is actually what can cause what? I guess all I'm thinking is it maybe gets a little sweaty or a little... Well, there's vaginal fluid or, or fluids in general that okay. could be there and can get trapped under the foreskin. Okay. And so if you're not bathing right away and you don't have access to soap and water, which is a lot of places on the planet, mm-hmm. then it could, of course, be an issue. Okay. If you're practicing pretty good hygiene, um, then the chances of it being reduced aren't so much for things like... Uh, so it's going to depend on what it's actually reducing. Right? But that's what I'm saying. Like, it's not going to stop you from getting an STI. It's not going to do any of those things, whether no. you're circumcised or not. Right. So I guess when I'm thinking infection, if you're clean, either way, you're avoiding the infection. I mean, avoiding unsafe sex is going to expose us to all of these things. Mm-hmm. If you're uncircumcised and you're not practicing really great hygiene, then the chances do go up because that vaginal fluid or whatever kind of fluid we're talking about mm-hmm. can certainly get trapped there, which creates an environment with micro tears and stuff, which happen during sex naturally. But but are you telling me that 
a circumcised man wouldn't have that same risk? Absolutely has that same risk. Okay. Um, there has been some studies done where if you're circumcised and you have HPV, the chances of getting penile cancer go down. Um, oh. But the percentages of men that get penile cancer are quite small. I don't think I knew there was penile cancer until just there this is. moment. Yeah, well, and penile okay. cancer awareness is its own kind of universe, and a lot of men don't know about it. And so oh, there's a lot well, of Women don't either. <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely a thing. Generally, peop, uh, a lot of people don't know about penile cancer, and so uh, increasing awareness is super important, and yeah. that might be its own kind of conversation. Okay. Uh, certainly for men, uh, you don't, you don't really encounter it. You don't get a lot of information when it comes to that stuff unless you're experiencing what it. What are signs of penile cancer? It, it could be a variety of things. And if you see any specific marks or pain or bulges. Really? The problem is that you really have to see a professional when it comes to something okay. like penile cancer. Uh, you can't self-diagnose and stuff. Do you see it from the outside? It, so it's going to depend. It depends on where it is. Huh. It could be in the foreskin. It could be under the foreskin. It could be in an area that you might not even know this, the, the numbers for penile cancer are really, really low. Okay. But it does exist and it does happen. Yeah. So there is a kind of, when we're talking about something like HPV, there mm -hmm. is a direct relationship with cervical cancer for women mm -hmm. and definitely penile cancer as well. I guess now I want to do a whole episode on penile cancer because I have so many questions, but okay, we'll just stick to the your guys' questions <laughs> for now. I'm like blown There's away There's a lot by to this. know. There's a lot to know. Yeah. Okay. One last question on penile cancer, just because I'm so curious. Does your dick fall off? It does not fall off, but like a lot of cancers, there could, depending on the severity, depending on what's going on. Well, like and, with breasts, they is. would take your breast away. Yeah, and so they could have to take pieces, right? Okay. And so, you know, ultimately what you need is a functioning, you know, right? And so where does function come in and not, and what's the necessity, and wow. how do we kind of how do you rate life over having a penis in some instances right but i mean i don't have a penis that. and life is fine but i like penises in my life so yeah i mean most guys like their own yeah right and yeah. so that being said we have to check we have to be careful and yeah. we have to like men are generally overall worse at getting care right we don't yeah. seek care and it's really tied to like Western ideas of masculinity and all of that kind of crap. Wow. And so single men even worse because they don't have a like a, a wife or a husband or whatever the case may be yeah. to tell them to go to the doctor if something yeah. is off. Uh, right. A lot of men kind of put things aside. Of course, and a lot of people in general oh, put things aside. Absolutely. Definitely. And yeah. so putting so putting something aside, it could easily become two or three years where something could have been done. I thought I would never be one of those people because of how open-minded I am, but I just went to the doctor for a mammogram and she was like, is that it? And I was like, yep. And I was like, mm, there wasn't it. I had more things I wanted to tell her, but I didn't because I was embarrassed by the things I had to say mm. and because it wasn't why I was there, but different story. That's fair. Okay. So to answer the question, the simple answer is going to be no. The simple answer is no, but it really depends, right? So yeah. there are specific things, uh, like if the foreskin is too tight, there's specific medical reasons okay. that people sometimes go for it. So if okay. you can't pull the skin when erect behind the head, mm. that might be a reason. So they do okay. different kinds of circumcisions in that case where it could just be like a little bit of a, a cut along the top so that it can get back because pulling it back is going to be critical okay. when we're talking about something like hygiene. Okay. But in general. But in general. Good hygiene. Right. Will still keep you just as safe. Right? 
Mostly, okay. absolutely. Uh, hygiene is a is a really big concern, and we also live in an environment where people don't have those conversations. Mm. And like m- almost eighty percent of people in the U.S. are circumcised, and so mm-hmm. that's a really large percentage. And so the people that aren't don't have a lot of exposure to it. Yeah. And there's not a lot of education on it, and people yeah. feel very nervous about having those conversations with their kids. Yeah. Uh, and so all of those things are kind of lumped together here in the U.S. Where mm-hmm. in other parts of the world where, circumc- where circumcision is rare, mm-hmm. most other parts of the world, circumcision is quite rare. Those conversations are pretty normal. Yeah. And even if they're very, very conservative, hygiene kind of comes along with that. Yeah. Right. And so that's a complicated kind of piece to that. Yeah. Uh, and so, but I think if we talk about it and people become comfortable with yeah. it, Another kind of slight piece to that is that a lot of women aren't comfortable with with uncircumcised men because they don't have a lot of Mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. And so if you go online or if you're on one of the dating apps, people put those things in those apps saying like uncut or cut only, all of those kind of very, very specific things Yeah. uh, for whatever reason that they're putting it in there. And so that could create an environment where a man doesn't feel comfortable with his Mm. own penis. Wow. Right. I can I can honestly tell you, I mean, obviously now I've been with both circumcised and uncircumcised, but growing up in the Midwest, I never had seen an uncircumcised penis. And so it wasn't that I was like afraid of it, but I just didn't know anything about it. And so it was just different. It's just different. Absolutely. Yeah. But now I tell everybody they're the best for anal. So, I mean, (laughs) they're great for lots of things. And on the the male side, there's a lot a lot more sensitivity and stuff. Oh, okay. And so good for them. Yeah, yeah. give us something. Yeah, I like okay. it. Okay. And great for anal. Okay, moving on. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> this. <laughs> okay. Um, question number two is going to be from a woman, and she says, I noticed a bump on my vagina. Is it an STI? So the only way to know if, we have, if there's an STI is really to go to your doctor and of get course. tested. If you are concerned, you should absolutely go. Mm-hmm. That is making a couple of assumptions. You have access to healthcare. You have access to a doctor. Mm-hmm. There are lots of places where you can get STI testing, Walgreens, CVS here in the US, mm-hmm. right? And so, uh, but those are expensive and usually per test. So they'll test for gonorrhea. Mm-hmm. You have to pay for that. Um, there, most public health departments in a lot of cities in the US do have free clinics mm-hmm. uh, and do provide care in those instances. So if you type in kind of free clinics in whatever city you're in, that could be super helpful. The, the other question I would, or the other kind of follow-up to that would be, are we talking about the vagina or are we talking about the vulva, mm-hmm. right? Because those are gonna be different, the right. vagina being the internal, inside, right? Mm-hmm. And so that internal, if we're talking about spots internally, that's potentially gonna be very different than a lot of the other possibilities externally, mm-hmm. right? Because it could be an ingrown hair. There's a lot of different possibilities when we're talking about externally, yeah. whereas internally, there's fewer. Okay. Theoretically. So it really depends on which one it is that we're talking about. Yeah. Because I think um, a lot of times too, and we, this is one of the things that we talked about is like folliculitis, just even just the, um, the root of the hair being infected and causing, causing a bump that would be raised. It might look infectious, you know, but definitely is not, you know, maybe you just need a better razor, you know? Well, and so it's really easy for uh, that root area to mm-hmm. create a space that allows bacteria in mm-hmm. those areas, especially that, that general region mm-hmm. is sweatier than yes. part, other parts of the body. You know, it's harder to stay clean. Mm-hmm. All of those things allow bacteria 
all over us. I mean, we're covered in bacteria anyway, but yeah. uh, certainly there's specific bacteria in certain areas that are more sensitive because of moisture and mm -hmm. things like that. So it's pretty common. Yeah. yeah. When, uh, when, if this person were to go to a doctor and say, oh, I have this bump, what is it? I don't even feel like the doctor would look at the bump per se. They'd probably just give them a blood urine test, right? No, I'd say, well, it depends on, no, the, the doctor would probably want to look at the okay. bump. Um, because if it's bacterial, then you can go like the antibiotic route potentially. Mm -hmm. It depends, mm -hmm. right? And so you don't want to take antibiotics unless you have to, mm -hmm. right? And then there's very specific things, and we've talked about antibiotics before. Yeah. Um, but if it's internally, it could be a cyst. So a doctor mm. would need your, your OBGYN would probably. So definitely want to see that. get to a doctor. Don't yeah. even do this. You, I wouldn't even suggest the self testing then. Just go straight to the doctor. I wouldn't either. If you're concerned that it's an STI, mm -hmm. that's different, right? So if you've had potential exposure and stuff like mm -hmm. that, then absolutely. I think, and we've said this a million times, yeah. if we followed what they do in the adult film industry, yeah. which is just get tested all of the time for yeah. things, it would clear up so much. Yes. Um, but since we don't do that, yeah. uh, and instead we stigmatize everybody in the adult film industry for doing that, mm -hmm. um, then it becomes an environment where that's a, a first line of defense mm. would be if you can't get to a free clinic or you if you do have access and you can do a home testing for a lot of things, mm -hmm. which I know that we recently discussed herpes, a lot of those tests don't test for herpes. Mm -hmm, of course. So there's that. Um, so having access is going to be one of the biggest variables. And so I don't want to always talk about only the U.S. because we have we have an audience from all over the world. And yeah. so, you know, it really depends on if you have access. That becomes problematic in incredibly conservative places where these kinds of conversations don't even happen. Okay. Right. And so home testing is not an option depending on what country you're in. Yeah. And so then that really does limit you. Uh, and so I don't necessarily have a solution to global health right now, but I'm working on it. Working on it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. But don't self-diagnose is the biggest takeaway I mean, from this. I, I think every physician that I work with would yeah. probably say that as like from the get-go. Yeah. Um, don't WebMD you, yourself. Don't Google yourself. No, Just it usually creates more doctor. harm. Uh, yeah. But there are a couple of things that you can that you can do, right? If you think it's an STI, kind of go down that checklist and then mm -hmm. say, okay, maybe it's a cyst or something and I need to see my OBGYN or my physician or yeah. if you don't have access to an OBGYN, go to a clinic. Yeah. Okay. Good advice. All right, moving on. Next question is going to be so many pages. Okay. There are a lot of pages. Um, oh, okay. Now this is a good one. I'm no longer having, not me, <laughs> our writer, no longer having morning erections. Should I be concerned? So this is an interesting question because that changes how With age. over, definitely how yeah. over, over time, you either might not notice them all the time or you you might have one before you even wake up and then when you wake up, that whole process, depending on what's going on for you. However, there are a bunch of instances where that does happen. So if you have erectile dysfunction in your day-to-day -day life, mm -hmm. right, where you're taking Viagra or whatever the case may be, uh, then yes, those are often really related. So you'll have less erect, like morning erections okay. if you have ED. Otherwise, it could be hormones that change as we age. I was about to say, is there a stress factor to that at all? I mean, for men, all of those things can be really, really tied together. And mm -hmm. so if you're noticing that you're not having it and it is stressing you out, then it's going to just make it worse. Okay. Right. And so I, I think that's probably a conversation to have with your urologist as a man um, or your, your physician. Right. Um, um, I guess my question is, 
so the morning erection, I guess, is that's what's worried this person the most is because you kind of, you just wake up with them. It's not necessarily like you wake up and you have a horny thought and you have right. a erection. You just wake up with a hard dick. Right. And so this person is no longer waking up like that. Sure. Is this an every morning thing for every man as long as he lives every day? Most mornings. Really? And when it doesn't happen, you notice yeah. it because it's unusual. Yeah. Right? But usually that's kind of, it's lumped what together. What age does this start? Teenage years. Puberty. So, okay, puberty. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, but in puberty, everything gives you an erection, okay. right? And yeah. it could be incredibly random. And, it ha and in some cases, it has nothing to do with excitement. Yeah. So excitement, of course, but it, it could be just random because our bodies are changing drastically and our hormone levels are changing at that point. Mm -hmm. And so erections are part of our hormones uh, yeah. or they're definitely tied together. And so. Interesting. Um, this is not that question, but only because we're talking about boys and their boners. Um, my best friend has a, a, a 10 month old and she just hit, had his first boner for the other day opening a diaper and she was like she was like it was very surprising i will say because it's her first boy and she was like i just was just didn't i was very caught off guard didn't know how to handle i also didn't know that babies had erections <laughs> they do that's less hormone related and more if it rubbed along the penis and stuff like that any kind of rubbing or touching we'll in just that do area. it we'll just yeah without even a thought in the brain your penis just sends its own messages i mean sometimes it, it has its own yeah it has its own way of working yeah. and when we're talking about infants and stuff uh mm -hmm. there could be a variety of reasons too okay yeah. yeah i didn't know they had that power i guess i guess in my mind a boy i truly i guess in my <laughs> mind i thought that like around puberty is like when your penis starts getting hard and you're like oh i found this thing i mm. should touch it that's well, not the case. Let me tell you that boys find their penises before puberty. Okay. Well, uh, okay. in most cases, okay. uh, puberty is when some of the bigger changes happen. Yeah. Where you ejaculate and orgasm mm -hmm. and kind of oh, all that kind okay, of stuff. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but you can touch it, play with it, get it hard. All of those things happen for young boys too. Do you still enjoy the touching it? You do enjoy the touching it, but you don't know that it's bad until someone tells you. And so, well, because it's not bad, but okay. Agreed. And what usually ends up happening is during those times when you're just touching it and stuff, if mom or dad or someone says, you can't do that, that's bad. Uh, instead of saying, that's not what you do here, do that in private, right? However you kind of approach that is going to have an impact on that young man as he gets older. Yeah. Right? And cause so, cause that's like the first time you experience shame in that arena. And so we can often, and I'm not a psychologist, so that's a different area, but yeah. you know, you carry that with you forever. So what age would you say then is a kind of a natural progression for that morning boner to slip away? So the other variables that really impact it are going to be things like high blood pressure. Really? Like, so if you have high blood pressure or obesity. Your blood's going other places? No, no oh. well, high blood pressure, less to do with that. Um, and it can be very serious as we get older, course, right? So yeah. cholesterol, blood pressure, all of these things are yeah. killers, yeah. especially in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, well, everywhere. Really. Everywhere, yeah. yeah. Uh, but all of these things are going to have impacts on getting erections during sex mm. the same way that they're going to have impacts on erections and your our regular morning erections. There was a time where everybody was like, oh, well, we get an erection so that we can hold not urinating mm -hmm. right because you can't do both at the same time in most cases i've heard you could right? you, you can yeah you gotta hold it right you have to really work at it, it there's some work yeah okay uh, that goes into that okay. and there, there in the industry there's a whole area yeah where uh where erect penises are, are urinating yes. inside and everywhere yes yeah and so 
That being said, though, um, any of those things that would impact erectile function mm -hmm. also can start to impact morning erections. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad, though. But there's not like a certain age that would like kind of no, tell you. No, because men <laughs> can get erections and totally function very, 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 very late in life. Okay. So reproduction can happen until very late for men as opposed to women so what you're telling me is if he is waking up without a morning erection there is something going on it could be regular hormone change or it could be something else and so but he could go and fix the hormone changes and get back the you can morning. uh is it impacting you in a negative way mm. Uh, how often is it happening? Is it never again a morning erection? Mm -hmm. These are things that I'd want to know, okay. right? Uh, so that I can take that information to my doctor, okay, my medical doctor, and yeah. say like, right? In public health, we don't necessarily deal with like the nitty gritty of right. in the the patient encounter, um, but uh, understanding that why don't you track it for a little while and see, okay. you know, is it no more all the time mm -hmm. or is it? hey, I'm getting them a little bit less or okay. a lot less. And then that's information that your physician would know or want to know. Okay, good to know. Should I get the HPV vaccine? I think it's a really important question. And there's so much controversy around the HPV vaccine. So the HPV vaccine controversy is about having that conversation with young, young kids. Yeah. Because uh, you can get it from like 9 to 13 for girls, 15 for boys. And so it becomes a, having that conversation with children about future sexual. But would you necessarily have to have the sex conversation with the child for them to go and get a vaccine? Well, I think uh, everybody having agency is really important and being able to make their, their own decisions to a point. I, don't, I think that would be challenging at 9, Yeah, uh, but maybe less challenging at 13. But my whole thing is if it's keeping your kid from getting some sort of cancer, whether that be a cervical cancer or now I know a penile cancer, I don't understand how it's like taking away their agency because you're like, I'm going to make this a better outcome for you. So I just don't. It's the same as like when everybody was going to get the um, <clears throat> Corona, you know, the COVID, COVID vaccine. vaccine. <clears throat> My six-year-old little sister is getting that vaccine. Yeah. And it's not like we're telling her, like, well, do you want to get the vaccine? No, you're going to get the vaccine because you have to go to school and school is requiring right. it. So it's just crazy to me that that's even an argument for parents. I agree 1,000%. Yeah. And really the ultimate simple answer, which I had kind of was working towards, is yes, you should absolutely get it it's yeah. been around for about 15 years it's really well proven yeah. it works really well no like there like there hasn't been any data on anything bad happening it's been tested yeah extremely well and so not to say that others aren't right mm -hmm. because they typically are by the time they get to us um the benefits outweigh the negatives okay. and so that is what are the negatives by the way the negatives of not getting it the negatives of the vaccine are there any I mean, you like any vaccine, you can have discomfort and kind of stuff like that, but okay. nothing okay. uh, really um, that I'm aware of, right? And okay. so maybe when they started, but it's changed and they refine these things as we go. And it's been a lot around for a really long time at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's for kids. What I will say about um, adults, though, is that most adults at this point have probably been exposed to it. And so they're like, if I've already been exposed to HPV or if I already have it, should I get it? So that's a slightly different question mm -hmm. than if I should get the vaccine. What I would say about that is, yes. Oh, okay. You should. Uh, but it, there's only, you're only really, uh, so they extended the age that you're allowed to get them. 
uh, from 26 to 45. Mm -hmm. So that was a huge change and that's fantastic. It doesn't work as well when we're older and you okay. have to get three shots instead of two, you are protected. What I will say about this, and this is the most important part is if you get it, it protects you from other strains or strands of HPV. Not what you already have. Correct. But so if you have it and that might not be the strain that leads to cervical cancer, mm. getting it will protect you from cervical cancer, which is one of the biggest reasons to get it. Interesting. So there are different strains within. With everything with. Yeah. Uh, most things have different variations there, even COVID, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. So there's different variations that happen and mutate, and that's just the natural order of it. Uh, and so one, there's also two strains of HIV. There's HIV-1 and HIV-2, but that's okay. a different conversation. Yeah. Um, not getting it doesn't protect you from from getting cervical cancer, and that's really the right. the really the go-to. Yeah. Uh, and for men, too. Uh, the percentage of men getting penile cancer is a lot lower. Okay. Um, but HPV and the relationship to cervical cancer for women is quite high. Okay. Uh, and so, so I yes, can't see a it. reason. Yeah, yeah. It's a yes. Okay. And I could still get it, which is interesting, because I did Definitely. not think that Well, that... I mean, you're only 24 anyway. Yeah, of course. Yes, yes. Yes, I am. Yes, I am, Dr. Abby. All right. Last question. Yeah, this is a good one. A very important one also. Yeah. What is PrEP and who should be on it? I wish it was in the water, to be brutally <laughs> I honest. I do as well. <laughs> um, however, there, there, are some, there are some things, yeah. right? And so, well, let's explain what PrEP is. Absolutely. So uh, it's pre-exposure prophylaxis. And so when they were designing HIV meds, they realized that if you take two specific ones out of like the three cocktail that they used to do, mm -hmm. um, you can be protected from it. Your body won't allow HIV in to replicate. And so it protects you from, even if you've had unprotected sex, right, which is usually what's happening lately, and uh, protects you from getting it even if you have sex with someone. Mm -hmm. uh, there's two different types. Well, now there's three because there's a, an injection that you can do. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's two main types, one uh, that's been tested on men and women and one that hasn't been tested on women just yet. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the shot, I believe, I'm not sure if you've been if you were born female if it works mm, at this okay. point, right? Because that's very new though. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the benefits of having it are if you're in a relationship and you don't know if your partner's being faithful, faithful or anything like that, it gives people a lot of agency in mm -hmm. protecting themselves. On the flip side of that, it's expensive if you don't have access to health care. Yeah, it's expensive if you don't have health insurance. Uh, most insurances and Medicaid and things like that do cover, cover it. it yeah. um, but if you don't have access to any of those things, then it then it's a problem. Mm. Uh, there are, if you go to a lot of LGBT clinics, even if you're not LGBT, then you can have those conversations and you could get access in, mm -hmm. in, in a lot of clinics, mm -hmm. uh, depending on where they are and all that stuff. So what I'd also like to say is that it's not available everywhere either, right? Mm. So it was approved in the US, it's approved. Uh, so like a lot of countries have ramped up uh, prep use, right? Okay. So like Kenya and South Africa, places that often also have, have high, high numbers. HIV rates. Mm -hmm. uh, it's also available in Europe, but it's not available in parts of Asia. So there's a lot of places where it's not available. Mm -hmm. So people have been doing, it's called medical tourism, where you go somewhere else to get treatment of some kind, mm -hmm. whether it's plastic surgery or medicine. Uh, in the US, they've been often been doing it with Canada because you can get prescriptions a lot less expensive Cheaper. and yeah. all that kind of stuff. And so because it's not available everywhere, there's still some concerns uh, about it, right? Okay. Yeah. And uh, a lot of these things are br very specific brands. 
And those specific brands are very expensive and there's not a generic version yet because it hasn't been around long enough. And so all of those things really play a role in who has access in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. To break down what Dr. Eddie is saying simplistically, though. <laughs> so I just want them to know the basis of prep is, is basically keeping you from getting and or spreading HIV. Not spreading. Not spreading. Um, so you can't. Con so you just cannot contract it while on prep. Is that correct. correct? Okay. The problem with that also is for a while people were just taking it if they were going to go out partying or something like that. Prep oh, doesn't like work that day. way. Oh, like a day. Prep doesn't work that way. Mm. Literally has to be in your system for a long time. Yeah. Right. And so it used to be seven days minimum. Mm. Right. And so it has to be in your system. You have to be taking it. It has to be part of like your daily routine. Right. Uh, and then you have protection. Okay. If you're not doing it that way or if you're taking breaks and not being sure mm -hmm. about when and how much is in your system, that's where you get into really big problems. OK. Uh, and right. so that's an important one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say I was on on prep for a very long time while working um, in the industry. The only reason I took myself off is because it was hard on your kidneys and it wasn't it necessarily approved for women at the time when yeah. I was taking it. Yeah. So yeah, now it I know that there's a different strain that might be a little easier um, on the kidneys. But so there have been a lot of changes. And so a lot of the new drugs are a lot better on the kidneys. Mm -hmm. uh, there is kidney impacts yeah. as you go when you take any drug of course uh but there are they are getting better as we go and so new yeah. ones have come out like odepsy and stuff like that 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 are drastically better on the kidneys as opposed to the older ones like atripola and stuff like that right yeah. well that's good to know um so if you can get on prep and you are sexually active i think that that would be in a good option for you i think it's a really really good and smart option yeah uh, and it gives people a lot more control depending yeah, and I think for the longest time, people really thought it was only for the gay community. You know, sure. only only gay men are using PrEP, which, I mean, why would that be the case? Because it's not like gay men are the only people getting HIV. Well, <laughs> depending on what country we're talking about, some countries claim that no gay people live there. So that's... Oh, okay. And in other countries, uh, the, the majority of people that have HIV aren't the gay community. Yeah. Right. Or uh, men that have sex with men, which yeah. is all encompassing. Right. Right. And so those communities are different depending on what country we're talking about here in the U S it's very LGBT kind of focused. Yeah. Less L, but yeah. Uh, and so I think those are really important pieces cause it's going to depend on where you are. Yeah. Uh, but getting on it, I think is really important and yeah. protecting ourselves what I will say on the flip side. And the last thing I want to say is that if you do have HIV and you are on your medications, you also can't pass it to another person, right. but you have to be really good about taking your medications every day. And is on it the a right timely schedule. thing? Kind of like a birth control. A birth control is like same time every single day. That's what they strongly recommend. Mm, okay. uh, and so, you know, that's the go-to, right? If you're off by a few hours, it, it probably wouldn't have the same impact. Mm -hmm. um, but you want to take it every day. If you're on a one pill, on multiple pill or multiple times a day, depending on where you are. There's like a whole chart of different drugs depending on where you are. Yeah. Um, and so. Awesome. Very good information. And I hope we um, got to all of your questions, you guys. And uh, please keep them coming. We love answering your questions. And if you like what you saw today, click that little subscribe button. And uh, we'll see you next time. Adios, guys. <laughs>